This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. This spring, we are studying the second half of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. So if you're a listener of this podcast, you've surely uh, gotten to hear Bob be a guest on this podcast. He is a veteran. He has uh, many, many times come and uh, been a part of our conversation. So we are really, really grateful. Uh, Bob is an editor on our Explore the Bible team, and specifically he works on the Leader Guide, uh, Quick Source, and the Leader Pack. So Bob, we just appreciate you being here with us today. I appreciate the invitation. It's always fun. Yeah, you well, you always do a great job. You bring a lot of insight uh, to the to the topic for sure. Today we're looking at session three, uh, so we'll be discussing Genesis chapter twenty-seven, verses eighteen through thirty. So we'll just dive in. I'll share just a brief overview of what's happening in this passage. It's certainly not in depth at all, but just will give a sense of what was taking place in this part of Genesis chapter 27. With the help of his mother, Rebecca, Jacob approached his father, Isaac, in an attempt to steal the family blessing that normally would have gone to Esau. Uh, Esau was the oldest brother and would have been the one to receive the family blessing. So Jacob pretended to be Esau. He encouraged Isaac to enjoy the food that he and Rebecca had prepared. Uh, he even, when Isaac questioned how quickly they were able to get that meal together, he credited God. Uh, Jacob credited God with helping him, helping him do that. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Isaac remained skeptical. He recognized the voice as Jacob's, even though his hands felt like Esau's hands. Jacob was wearing goat skins as part of the deception, so that was intentional. Uh, Isaac questioned Jacob's identity. He was not certain that um, he was the son he thought he was, uh, but Jacob directly claimed to be Esau. So this is a familiar passage. After eating the meal, Isaac called Jacob to come closer. And when Isaac kissed Jacob, he was deceived by the smell because Jacob was wearing Esau's clothes. Sure that he was addressing Esau, Isaac blessed Jacob. The blessing included a few things. It included prosperity, international respect, and authority over Isaac's descendants. Isaac stated that God would bless those who blessed Jacob and curse those who cursed him, which uh, you'll you'll hear that. That's uh, an echo of God's original covenant with Abraham. As soon as the blessing was delivered and Jacob left his father, Esau arrived home from his hunting trip. It's an action-packed passage for sure. Our summary statement for this whole passage is this. God accomplishes his purposes through flawed families and people. So that's just a brief overview of uh, this passage. We want to get into some questions. So these are questions that as group leaders you might ask or, or or consider yourself as you're preparing to teach and to lead your Bible study group, or they could be questions that your group members raise uh, in the middle of your Bible study time. So we want to talk about some questions and 
really help you to think through it, you, the group leader, think through it so that you'll know how to respond if these questions come up. Well, Bob, thanks again for being here. We'll just jump into question number one. So Jacob gained the family blessing. We know at the end of at the end of this passage, he 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 got the family blessing and was used by God. But it leads to it's a little hard to quite grasp this, maybe. Uh, did his deception of his father go without consequences? How should we how should we really well, understand that? Well, one of the things we learned from Genesis from the very beginning is that that sin never goes without consequences. Sin always is That's punished. Right. Even, even even when God's providence is working behind the scenes, like like we're going to see with this, there is still a price to be paid, and that's a recurring theme throughout the Book of Genesis. We've seen it uh, in in the last quarter when we studied some of the things about uh, some of the things that that happened in the earlier chapters of Genesis. We'll see it again repeated in Jacob and his life and his family's life as we go through that sometimes amazingly God's people don't always do what God tells them to do. They, they, <laughs> they sin, they make mistakes, they fall, they're a hot mess. Uh, but yet even, even as God uses those things for his glory and to fulfill his purpose, maybe despite those things is a better way to say that. Um, mm. Then, then, there's still there's still this consequence. There's still the, the price to be paid, and so you know when I, when I think about this particular story, uh, two things kind of stick out to me in terms of consequences. One is, you know, Jacob had a lot of family issues from this. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, his relationship with Esau was just shattered, and uh, you know they they took sibling rivalry to a whole other level. Uh, with because of this, and because of we'll talk about the blessing and the birthright here in a minute. But you know this whole this whole pattern of of Esau making a mistake and Jacob taking advantage of it and deceiving him and doing this and doing that. It just really wrecked their relationship as brothers, and it took a long, long time for that to heal and for that to be reconciled. So that's one thing. Also, in terms of relationships, I think about his mom, Rebecca. You know, as you read through Genesis, these last this last half of Genesis, even after Jacob goes to to Padanaram, spends twenty or so years there, builds his family, comes back, reconciles with Esau, we find that he gets a chance to to talk to his dad again, to meet with his dad, and he even he and Esau even come together when when Isaac dies and they bury him together. Uh, which is a, a really incredible, uh, incredible part of the narrative when you think about where we are right now in chapter twenty-seven. But we don't hear anything else about Rebecca. We so that kind of and again, you can't really make a whole lot of arguments from the silence of scripture. But it does make me wonder: Did Jacob ever see her again after he had to leave home? After he had to after he had to run away because Esau was wanting to kill him. Did he ever get a chance to see his mom again? And obviously, Scripture says he was really close to his mom. Esau was really close to Jacob. Or excuse me, Esau was really close to Isaac. Jacob was really close to Rebecca. If he if he never got a chance to see her again, that would have been hard for him mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. deal with that. So, and I don't know if he did or not. Again, the Scripture's mm-hmm. silent, but the fact that she's not mentioned again and Isaac is kind of makes you wonder. If that was another consequence that he had to face, uh, something else I think about in terms of consequences is his own personal life. Um, 
because of this, he's on the run. Uh, he's got to take off and he's got to go far, far away. And even when he gets there, even though he's in the middle of his family, he's basically rejected. He's an exile in his, among mm-hmm. his own his own kinfolk, if you want to think about it that mm-hmm. way. His, mm-hmm. his father-in-law, Laban, treats him more like a slave than a son. And his his wives have this sibling rivalry going on that is just uh, hard for him to navigate over time. There's a lot of jealousy, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt feelings there. He's got concubines to deal with. He's got sons who are at, at times incredibly violent people, uh, even toward one another at some times, uh, as we'll get into. But you know, he's he, his these twists and turns of his life can be traced back to this experience because if he had never deceived Isaac, he never would have had to run away. And again, while God uses those things to fulfill his purposes, they I, Jacob still had to deal with the the turmoil, the chaos that sin often presents in, in a person's life. Um, you know, a question might be raised is, well, you know, since everything worked out okay, is God okay with deception sometimes? And there are times in Scripture that we kind of wonder about that because we see, and my mind goes back to to the book of Exodus where where the the midwives are, you know, the Pharaoh has said kill all the baby boys, and the midwives are basically lying through their teeth about uh, about why the boys are surviving. And, and it says that God blessed them <laughs> for that. And so you kind of wonder sometimes, you know, is, is God okay with lying? Or, or are there situations uh, where where the ethics kind of go out the window and, and, you know, the ends justify the means? I don't think that's how we interpret this. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think we see it that way. God's not okay with deception. God's not okay with lying. God's not okay with dishonesty. He works behind the scenes in his providence and in his sovereignty to make things happen the way he wants them to happen. But it's just a, and you mentioned it, I think when you were going through the, your, your recap or, or your, your summary of it, God uses imperfect people. Mm-hmm. And that's good because we're all imperfect. <laughs> we're all Jacobs in some way, shape or form. Uh, we're all messed up. And so, you know, God's got to use imperfect people because that's all he's got to work with, you know, as, as far as working with human, humanity goes. Yeah. And so, so while he doesn't condone the deception, he doesn't condone any kind of sin. He also doesn't allow our sin to hinder his plans. And so he uses us despite all of that. But yeah, there are consequences there that I think we can see in scripture and maybe infer from scripture that, that Jacob had to deal with because of this decision. Yeah, I think if you ask that question and you put the focus on Jacob, you're kind of missing the point that uh, you can ask that question. Does the Lord, what what about this deception? What does the Lord think of that? The, the real person to focus on is God, <laughs> because in spite of the deception, he is the one who's going to bring about his purposes. So that's really a better way to understand that. Uh, it's, he never condones sin. You said that. That is a, a good uh, sentence uh, to just underline and and reiterate. It's never okay. I appreciate you mentioned the con the chaos. Excuse me, the chaos and the turmoil. Those are very good descriptions of what happens when we really when we enter any kind of sin. Um, so it, it wouldn't be accurate to go. Oh, well, Jacob just lied, but I guess everything really worked out for him. Well, not really, <laughs> not really. I mean, uh, 
yeah, God God worked no, and he used it, it but he it was not without some some consequences for him. So thank you. Yeah, and I think your point is well taken. I think your point is well taken about remembering who the main character of scripture yeah. is. Not just in this passage, but as a as a leader who is guiding people in what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches, uh, we've got to remember sometimes that that the the human instruments that are mentioned in the pages of scripture are mm-hmm. just that. They're human instruments. God is the main yep. character. It's his story. We're just living. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, as, as leaders, um, that's always a good thing to be reminded of. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yep. 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 Uh, okay. Next question. What was, help us to understand what was the nature of the blessing Jacob was stealing? How, because he has already a few chapters earlier, how is it different from the birthright that he had already gotten from Esau? Right. Yeah, the birthright narrative, really, we didn't really cover that in any mm-hmm. of our sessions. Right. It's sort of background material for some of this stuff. So it's probably worth going back and kind of rehashing that story for a minute. Um, in chapter 25 of Genesis, we get the birth of Jacob and Esau, which in itself is kind of an interesting story mm-hmm. and what Rebecca was dealing with and what she heard from God. But she has these twin boys. Esau comes out first, Jacob comes out second. And so the scripture almost immediately fast forwards through everything to their adulthood. And we, we see that Jacob is a, uh, is a homebody. He likes to stay close to the tent. He hangs out with his mom a lot. On the other hand, Esau is a, is an outdoorsman. He's a hunter. He, he likes to go out and do, do that, that kind of stuff. And so one day he's coming in from a hunt. Jacob is cooking dinner. He gets a whiff of some stew that really makes his stomach growl. And he convinces himself that he can't live without this soup, that without this stew. And so to the point that he's willing to trade something that's incredibly valuable as the firstborn, and that's the birthright. And so uh, I like, I went back and looked and all, we used four major translations for Explore the Bible. We use the Christian Standard Bible, we use King James, we use the English Standard Version, and we use the New International Version. And so in all four of those translations, they don't always agree, obviously, on on wording and how things are translated. But all four of them agree on this, that that Jacob or that Esau despised his birthright in chapter 25, that he 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 despised it. They all use that same word. And basically that Hebrew word means you handle something carelessly or you treat it with contempt. And so this birthright that was a special privilege of the firstborn was something that he really he played fast and loose with and really not something to protect or to value or to treasure he just essentially i think it's the writer of hebrew says he gave it away for a pot of stew Mm -hmm. and so you know that's that's the birthright and it's 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 physical it has to do with the inheritance whenever uh whenever a man had children especially sons they would divide the inheritance among the sons. However, they divided it. The oldest son would get a double portion. So in this case, you have two sons. So instead of dividing it in half, you would divide into threes. Esau would get two of the three. <laughs> Jacob would have got the other third. So he would have got twice as much as his brother. It was the material blessing, the material treasure of the family. That's what the birthright essentially was. Um, 
And so that's basically what Jacob was despising. What he was giving away was this was this financial inheritance that that his father was storing up for him. I think I'm no. sorry to interrupt you. You just said J- Jacob gave it away. Um, I probably did. Esau gave it away. That was what that was that was what Esau was despising. That's what Esau was giving away was this two thirds of the family inheritance. On the other hand, the the blessing was more spiritual in nature. It represented essentially God's favor on a person. And so while the birthright was was physical, was material, was financial, the the blessing was more intangible. It was it was more spiritual. It was it was God focused. It was God centered. And so and and unlike the birthright, the father wasn't obligated to give the blessing solely to the to the older child. Um, Jacob's a great example of this himself. When he, uh, after he lives his life and he ends up in Egypt at the end of Genesis, we'll see that he actually speaks something into the lives of each of his sons. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good. Some are blessings. Some are curses. But he he basically divides it across all of his sons. And so fathers had that that right. Apparently, Isaac wasn't going to do that. Apparently, Isaac's motive was he was going to give it all to to Esau. And that's what prompted first Rebekah and then Jacob to go along with this this plan, this scheme to steal this this blessing. And for this family in particular, we got to remember this because it's the background of, of so much of what happens in Genesis. For this particular family, both the blessing and the birthright the spiritual inheritance and the physical inheritance were tied to the covenant. Mm -hmm. They were tied to the promise that God made to Abraham passed down through Isaac and Isaac was intending to pass it down to Esau. But God had already said to Rebekah in the beginning, first part of chapter 25, that the younger would rule over the older or the older would serve the younger. And so God had another plan. (laughs) God was going to, God was going to make Jacob the heir to all of this. And again, uh, how he would have done that if, if Jacob had not deceived and betrayed Isaac, we don't know. We just know that despite this sin, despite this deception, despite this, um, this act of, of betrayal, uh, God was able to use it for his purposes and to make his way at the end. Um, so that's, uh, again, he didn't condone the plan. He didn't condone the sin, but he was able to use it, uh, for his glory and to fulfill his purposes. That's one of those things that just keeps coming back time and time again, that theme of God using us in spite of that, definitely, in spite of ourselves. And we we see it a lot in Genesis. Uh, and here Mm, we are, you know, almost to the end of Genesis. We, we've definitely seen that over and over. So that's helpful. You you kind of I'm just going to recap because it was really uh, I thought a good explanation. The birthright was more physical, financial in nature. It was a material blessing, and then the um, the blessing uh, was more God focused. It was more of a spiritual blessing. So right, that's good. Uh, how should someone who is quote Esau? respond to this session. So Esau was the one, the victim of the betrayal, the one who was um, tricked out of something that uh, rightfully was his originally. How, how should we, how should someone who is 
quote, and Esau respond to this session. Yeah, Esau was not a perfect guy. Let's let's not fool ourselves. Yeah. He he his character had some serious flaws. That's as again we talked about. He despised his birthright. Um, he wanted to kill his brother <laughs> with revenge. Um, he he went off and, and married some women. We we read also that he married women that that were outside the covenant, and so you know that that was not uh, that was not the best plan for him, but. In spite of all that, he, his impatience, his impulsiveness, all these things that, that he basically he brought upon himself uh, at times, he was, he was really the victim, as you say, of this one. He was the one who was betrayed along with Isaac. Uh, he mm-hmm. was the one who yeah. was, he was the one who was betrayed. And so, as we said, he, his response, uh, his immediate response was, I'm going to kill this guy. Literally, <laughs> we, we might say that figuratively or, or you know, I'm going to kill you or whatever. He was literally going to go after blood um, of his own brother, his own twin, for that matter. And so uh, and set his brother off to running away because of it. Um, so that was his response. So how do we respond if we're in that situation, if we've been betrayed? And let's say we've all been there. We've all been We've all been betrayed. We've all had something stolen from us that that was valuable. That was that um, you know we were really counting on. You know the birthright, as we mentioned before, he despised that. But he really wanted this blessing, and he cried. <laughs> he, he was in anguish when he found out that he could not get it, and that that Isaac had nothing else to give him. Um, it tore him up, and and we've all been there. We've all been. It may have been from a family member like like Esau experienced. It it may have been from somebody else who did something to us, someone who who we trusted, someone who we we thought they had our backs, and they ended up instead of having our backs, they stick a knife in our back. We've been there. We know how that feels. And so what are we gonna do? How are we gonna respond? Well, we have the option of responding the way Esau did. We can we can look for revenge. We can seek to avenge this 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 injustice, this cruelty, um, and that's how a lot of people do respond. Uh, you know, I I don't get mad, I get even <laughs> that kind of deal. Uh, but here's yeah. here's here's the challenge. Instead of responding like Esau, take a look at Scripture and see the example set by someone else who was betrayed, and that would be Jesus. You think Esau was betrayed? Hey, so was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus wanted somebody he trusted. Someone he knew. I don't I don't know if he actually trusted because he knew he knew Judas was but someone he had called anyway. Someone he had invested in. Someone he had spent a lot of time in. And even though he he knew that what Judas was up to, it was still that that didn't make it any less painful to to be betrayed by a kiss. And so how did he respond to that? Well, we're in Easter. We're in the Easter season. Easter's a couple of weeks away. Uh, we're in that time of the year, and so it's a good time to think about what happened with Jesus. How, how did he respond to that? Well, he accepted that. He understood that God was in control, mm-hmm. that God was the ultimate one who, who would avenge his loss. Um, he understood that everything, that nothing surprised God, nothing snuck up on God, nothing ever caught God by surprise. And so he was able, because of that, and we'll see this in the life of Joseph as well later on in this in this uh, 
these chapters of Genesis, but he was able to take that and just put it, give it back to God and, and let God deal with it. And I really think that's the better way to handle betrayal. It's harder and it's not natural. We have to have the supernatural power of God working in our lives to be able to do it this way. But the scripture is clear. It's not our job to, re- to get a revenge. It's our job. It's not our job to, uh, to, to get payback. It's our job to trust God and to trust his plan and to trust his process and to let him handle things the way uh, he sees fit. And so I think that's, that's probably the best way because that's really where healing begins. And we'll see that again with, uh, with Jacob and Esau. Esau didn't hold on to this grudge forever. He eventually got to the point where he could let it go. And I, I think, you know, healing worked out, it worked itself out in his yeah. life. And if we let God handle things, it will eventually work itself out in our lives. We won't necessarily, our relationship may still struggle. Uh, there may be some stress with folks who do that. We don't have to hang around with them. We don't have to be best friends with them anymore, but we can forgive them. We can let go of that and right. let God do his healing work in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's so, again, it's so opposite of our, our fleshly response. <laughs> so, exactly. so that's certainly yes. not the easy, that's not the easy route uh, in any way. Uh, okay, so each week we try to highlight a teaching idea or uh, something that's in our resources that can be especially valuable for this for this session. And so I want to bring uh, I want to bring forth pack item number five that is in the leader pack. It's a poster. It's titled "Key Moments in Jacob's Life." Uh, and this we're only still just kind of in the beginning. The first two items that are on this chart, but it. You can share this with your group, point out where we are. It does kind of give them a preview of how God is going to work in and through Jacob through the rest of Genesis. But this is just a helpful, it's, it's a chart. It lists different uh, events in Jacob's life and where they're found in scripture. So it's just a really practical, helpful timeline of some things that, that happen that are significant. Uh, so that would be a good one to share this week. Thank you for listening today. Uh, Before we go, let me remind you about Extra. Each week, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. These teaching ideas are free, and you can find them on the Explore the Bible website by typing in the following. Go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. And coincidentally, Bob is the one who works on those. So thank you, Bob, for bringing those week in and week out as uh, great optional creative ideas uh, for our group leaders. Happy to do it. Well, we appreciate you being here today, Bob. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Next week, we will have Mike Livingston with us to discuss Genesis chapter 28. We hope you'll join us uh, as we dive into that session next week.